0: Crypto was in the news again with the Senate taking up and debating an infrastructure bill that included provisions relating to the taxation and reporting of cryptocurrency transactions. Now, ensuing opposition to the bill sparked by online protests on Twitter ended up delaying and almost derailing its ultimate passage before making its way to the House. Now, we at FinTechBeat like to not only debate the lofty issues, but to also remain on top of the most current developments for our listeners. And we could think of no better person to get some insider perspective than Kristen Smith, the CEO of the Blockchain Association, an industry advocacy organization that's been lobbying critical members on the Hill. Now, Kristen is fast becoming a household name on all matters crypto and is widely considered the point person in the nation's conversation on the crypto industry in Washington. So in this episode, we're going to get a sneak peek at the sausage making here in D.C. and what it means when Ms. Smith and crypto go to Washington.
1: Kristen, thanks so much for joining the show. It's great to be here, Chris. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Okay, so maybe just in a nutshell for our audience, for those who are perhaps not focused on crypto per se uh, and, and really hasn't been keeping account of the blow for blow, you, you know, maybe you could just give us an overview of, of, of what's happened in the infrastructure bill and, and why uh, this whole thing has been a big debate and a matter of concern for the crypto industry.
1: Absolutely. So, what happened uh, a couple of weeks ago is we saw for the first time the legislative language around the section of this 2,700 page crypto bill uh, that dealt with the taxation um, of cryptocurrencies and specifically the reporting around crypto taxation. Um, For a long time now, uh, centralized cryptocurrency exchanges have been in discussions with IRS. On, and, and as well as the tax writing committees in the House and the Senate, for how to do a sort of Form 1099 that makes sense for crypto transactions. You know, at the end of the year, today, it's very hard for customers of these exchanges to figure out how to do their taxes. They have to get special software. Um, you know, there's no easy way, like with your stock brokerage account, where you just sort of get a form that tells you what, what you owe. So, th- so this is something that I think the IRS very much wants to see. And it's also something that the centralized cryptocurrency exchanges want to offer their their customers. Um, the missing piece is there needs to be some regulations written. So when the bipartisan infrastructure bill was coming together, the senators said, aha, we will raise money if we get this rulemaking done. Let's include a provision in the bill. So nobody was um, thinking that that was going to be um, a surprise. That was something that Biden put in his plan a couple months ago, and and we've been in discussions with the Senate offices on. But what was surprised is at the last minute, there was this new definition of broker that was inserted into the language. And the way that broker was defined was very broad. It was sort of any type of entity that helps effectuate the transfer of a digital asset. And and this broad language, um, according to all of the lawyers we spoke with and all of the tax experts was written in a way that it was so broad that it, it would include people like software developers who are contributing to open source software, or maybe who were building a wallet application or some other kind of application. Um, and it would also include the validators. So these are the miners, the stakers, the, the people that are helping to maintain the blockchain, add new transactions to the ledger. Um, you know, These are types of players that do help effectuate the transfer of assets, but they don't have customers, right? They're they helping with the operation and maintenance of of the network. And so it would be impossible for these types of entities to comply with this sort of regulation. And, and, you know, should something like this go through, the practical effect would be that these entities would either have to be operating out of compliance, or they would just have to shut down or maybe leave the country. And so, so that is not desirable. And, and um, so so that was the uh, sort of surprise uh, language that, that, um, kicked off this flurrying of um, lobbying and advocacy over the past couple weeks.
0: So I'm going to ask a, a bit of a naive question, but I'm a little bit curious. So you know, was this something that 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 you and your team had immediately identified, or is, is this you know how do you come to learn about you know this particular pr- provision? Is this something that had come um, you know that that was always on your radar, or or did you just receive a a phone call from you know uh, you know on, on the bat phone from someone you know asking for help.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we we have a tax working group at the Blockchain Association because um, there are some wonderful experts in this space that have have a deep knowledge of tax policy and how it might apply to cryptocurrency transactions and and you know we have been talking with the IRS and and also the um, you know, Senator Portman's office, who was one of the lead negotiators on this. And, and they were interested in doing something on information reporting. And, and they had actually asked for some ideas of what other things they could do when we produce those ideas and and sort of went back and forth. And 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 what happened is around the time that the big um deal was sort of struck, even before we saw the final language with um, you know, with the with the White House and uh, Senators Portman and Cinema and the other bipartisan um Senators that were involved is uh, after that deal was struck they said, oh by the way here's the here's the language you know we we want to share with you guys because we know you you care about it and we read it and everyone's like this has to be a mistake they've made some major mistake let's okay no big deal we'll just get back to them and explain what they've done and realize that you know this doesn't work and so we went through a couple days of you know here here's why well well then it came back that no no the deals the deal's been struck like we're we're not budging and and this is this is, this is the language. And that's when um, we kicked into full gear um, because, uh, you know, in order to try to get changes, we had to apply an immense amount of, of political pressure, which, you know, for a small and growing industry, uh, you know, there aren't a lot of people working on these issues today, um, many more than there used to be, but not today. And so that's what sort of kicked off trying to figure out, could we get an amendment introduced and who should our champions be? Be in that process, and who might want to help us, and and um and and so that kicked off the flurry of activity we saw over the past two weeks.
0: Well, so so maybe you can also just break that down. I mean, th- there were certainly uh, a number of amendments uh, that were proposed, uh, and, and maybe just sort of in a nutshell, you know, how did that process sort of play out, and and what was the position of the blockchain association, and 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 where did you end up?
1: Yeah. So. Very early on, um, Senator Lummis from Wyoming and Senator Toomey from Pennsylvania said, hey, we want to do something on this. Like, We want to help you guys fix this. And we're like, okay, good, good. Um, And uh, at the same time, there was sort of a coalition that emerged on the outside that included the Blockchain Association and Coin Center, which is an independent think tank, and Coinbase, which is the largest company in this space. And we started working with each other to to try to you know because when, when time is short you have to kind of present a unified front so we were able to build this sort of coalition for the purposes of doing this um, and the um, the I think the key moment was when Senator Wyden became involved and he um, is, is not somebody who's been you know particularly active on these issues in the past um, at least the crypto issues but he has been a longtime champion for for strong internet policy and. And when his team became aware of, of the privacy issues, the fact that software developers might be on the hook, um, you know, he issued a tweet and decided to become involved. And, and from our perspective, that was a game changing moment um, for this entire process. And, and so he teamed up with Lemus and Toomey and they worked through an amendment um, that really we thought um, did a good job of protecting these types of, uh, you know, software developers and validators that, that we want to have protected. So, so that was very exciting. Um, at the same time, um, you had uh, Senators Portman and Cinema, who are the authors of the bipartisan bill. They ended up working with Senator Warner, who wanted to try to offer a compromise. Well, the problem is this amendment got introduced, again, without, you know, the benefit of any stakeholder input. And that amendment was actually worse than the original language because it basically picked winners and losers among these different consensus mechanisms. It it sort of said if you're a proof of work, um, you know, miner, you're okay, but it didn't do anything to protect, you know, people who are staking in proof of stake systems or the dozens of other consensus mechanisms that are out there, or the, you know, who knows how many more will be invented in the future and so so that that effort at a compromise was even worse than the original one
0: so just uh, to make sure that this is clear to the audience you know when you look at a blockchain there are different ways to memorialize transactions and to run the underlying architecture of uh, that blockchain and and what you're saying is that by placing a, a higher regulatory burden on one method rather than the other which i guess constitutes a, a kind of a tax you can end up inadvertently shaping the very direction of the technology development in uh, the industry.
1: Yeah, well, and it's not even that they would be taxed more or less. It would be that these entities would have information reporting requirements. So so these entities would have to file reports with the IRS with names and social security numbers and addresses and also send that information to that person. But the way these these networks work is they don't have that information. They, They actually cannot do what they're being asked to do. And so it would have the effect of basically shutting that activity down um, entirely. So, so yeah, I always like to to point out that nobody is saying that there shouldn't be taxes on cryptocurrency transactions like that, that is, um, you know, something that has been long established, you know, virtual currencies are deemed to be property and they are, you know, taxed in ways that other property um, are taxed with, you know, capital gains and whatnot. Um, and, um, it, this is really about who, um, which types of organizations or individuals need to be doing information reporting. And we strongly believe that when there is a customer relationship and the customer has a you know contractual relationship with a, a, a an exchange in this case, and they are handing custody of their assets over, that is a situation where it makes sense to have those types of reporting requirements. But if you and I are sending each other... Um, you know, some Bitcoin um, just on a peer-to-peer basis. The miners involved in facilitating that transaction, like they they sh- they don't have our information. They can't report that to the IRS, and so um, it just doesn't make sense. It, it's sort of, you know, I mean, you could take it to the extreme and say, you know, the the internet service provider would be on the hook for effectuating that transaction, right? I mean, it it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense to to have that type of a service provider. Um, do that. Do that type of reporting. And, and
0: so, so what's the the state of play now?
1: So, Wyden had an amendment, and and the, not just the industry, but more importantly, the crypto community rallied behind that amendment. And and there is an amazing organization called Fight for the Future that made it really easy for people who wanted to weigh in their senators about this to do so. And and they ended up getting about forty thousand phone calls into the Senate um, around this issue, which I think really caught the Senate off guard. They, they weren't expecting that. But, but as a result of that, you know, Warner came out with a couple of different amendments, which many of which, for the reasons we just spoke about, were worse than the original one. Um, but ultimately, what happened at the end of the day is a sort of compromise was forged. And, and this was between Lummis and Toomey. Wyden actually said he even thought, I think the compromise went far enough, but he wouldn't stand in its way. And then also Portman and Cinema and Warner and the Treasury Department came up with what was a compromise that we did not like as much as the Wyden Amendment, but it would have gone a long way towards addressing um, some of the concerns. And the problem was, this, by the time this came together, the Senate had already voted to end debate. And so the only way to get something added to the bill at that phase is to do it by unanimous consent. Because in the Senate, the rules of the Senate, you can basically do anything if you have unanimous consent. And uh, Senator Shelby was upset that he had an amendment that didn't get a vote. And so he ended up blocking the, the crypto compromise amendment because he wanted a vote on something else. And so I think what was um, wonderful for the crypto community is that they really felt like they had a chance to get their voice heard. They were influencing the process. They were seeing this amendment language being rolled out, um, you know, over the days. And then I think in what was sort of a heartbreaking turn of events is that to, to watch these macro politics that had nothing to do with the substance of what, what the community was asking for, uh, you know, to have it sort of break down in that way, was very frustrating. Um, and so, so this is still something that's out there. It's still something that needs to be fixed. Um, and I know that the community is, is hopeful that there will be a house um, process and opportunity to amend amend the bill in the House. Um, it's a little bit unclear, at least as of the point we're talking, if that's even going to be an option. But but that's the next the next phase that we're exploring right now.
0: Got it. Now, now you know, I, I think what's sometimes missed in 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 the story and I, and One reason why I think it's it's really quite uh, interesting is that it's all coming on the back of you know a a week uh, of of hearings about crypto more generally, and 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 this sort of week and the the series of hearings. uh, Well, you know, it was it was certainly uh, not entirely uh, a smooth sailing. I I think for the crypto industry, and I think that there were plenty of of skeptics um, that you saw particularly in the Senate Banking uh, Committee, uh, about crypto. I mean, just, you know, what was your judgment uh, about where things uh, sort, of, sort of were and, I guess, now are, uh, it, not just in, in terms of this particular week of, of, of uh, sort of lobbying and, ad- and addressing the, the infrastructure bill, but, but also, again, when you go just a bit back further and you think about the, the larger context and the, and the larger political salience about crypto on the Hill?
1: Yeah, no, I I actually feel, despite the fact that we weren't able to get the amendment across the finish line in the Senate, I have never felt better in terms of the position of the crypto ecosystem when it comes to policymaking, because what's happened at least in the three years that the Blockchain Association has been around. But, you know, even before that, the the conversations, the substantive conversations that were happening were really only happening with a very small group of people. And part of that was because the interest only lied, you know, with, with a small group of people. Um, and part of that has been, there just has only been a small group of people working on it. So you can't go have this conversation with, with every single member of Congress. It's, it's just, you know, there's not enough time in a day. Um, but what has happened here is, you know, this was there there have been several policy fights over the past couple of years that have played out in you know as enforcement actions at the SEC or as a rulemaking at Treasury or, or, or something along that line. And and that is um a little bit of a less direct connection to individual voters, right? The voters the voters' greatest connection to government is through their senators and their their congressmen. And so this was the first time where there was something that was happening that really, really mattered, right? Because when you get language in these must-pass bills, like that stuff gets in there and it goes, right? This isn't like, oh, a bill was introduced and now we can point to that bill. Like this was a real live exercise. And it was the first time that that it was really the first opportunity for this broader community, you know, not just the industry, but all of the participants to weigh in with the Senate in a pretty organized and coordinated way. And and it, it got noticed. And so I think that this has had a wonderful effect. Of for for the majority of lawmakers out there who haven't had a chance to look at crypto networks and figure out what these cryptocurrencies are for, this, you know, maybe they've read headlines about ransomware or money laundering. That's kind of been their only interaction with this space. What this is is forcing them to do is re examine what this technology is and what it can do. And, And it is our hope that through this re examination in the weeks and months ahead, they will realize, ah, there is actually a lot of cool stuff that can be done here. It might not all be working, you know, today, but people are building and growing, and that this really is going to be a driver of economic activity going forward. It's going to make uh you know keep the US competitive in financial services and, and internet technologies and do all of the things that the people who are building and working and participating in these networks every day do. So, so it really forces a, a, a re-examination of. Of first impressions and and I think that's something that the crypto community and the crypto industry really desperately needed and and now we've got that
0: so you know I'll get to that question of, of first impressions in just a second because I, I do think it's 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 pretty interesting but but just talking about your job which i I, I find really fascinating I mean I think a lot of people misunderstand um, you know just uh, how heterogeneous genius the the crypto community is I mean you know it's it's not just sort of you know one one definition as as sort of a stakeholder, uh, and you have lots of different people, and and you sort of signaled that in in terms of the the coalition building that that you had done uh, this this last week. You know, you know, from your vantage point, if you're going to sort of carve out the universe as as in terms of people who are in the industry. But you know who may have certain kinds of priorities. Like, how would you organize you know, when you're doing your job? Like, how do you go about sort of organizing the the constellation of of of, of interests, uh, given where policy is right now on the hill?
1: Yeah, no, I think um, I mean if you look at the the different parts of the crypto industry, um, you know there, there are different segments, and if you look across our members, you know there are different functions that are played. People are regulated in. In different ways, but you know, I, I sort of think of the world in, in a couple of different categories. Um, there are those people in the crypto industry and broader ecosystem that are helping to build the projects, right? These are either the the, the blockchains that serve as sort of the, the basic layer. Um, which are really kind of almost like supercomputers, right? That other things are built on top of. Then there's also applications on top of those blockchains. And and they roughly fall into two categories. There's sort of this decentralized web category that's trying to build a better internet. And then there's a decentralized finance category that's trying to find a better way to do financial services applications that that is more efficient uh, that is that is more cost effective and and reduces risks that we have in our current system so so i sort of think of that as the people who are building um, the applications you you could sort of throw in the mix like Stable coins, is sort of maybe like a subset of that, um, but but really it's the decentralized finance and the decentralized web. Uh, then there is sort of a, a set of players that are kind of the infrastructure players. These are the exchanges that help people buy and sell cryptocurrencies. These are the traders, um, trading desks, uh, the custodians, and, and these are the people that that are building the infrastructure to support these decentralized networks that are you know, running on open source software. And, and so there's different regulatory considerations that they all have. But the one thing that everyone has in common is that they care about the whole ecosystem. So you, know, you might have somebody who is um, working as a software developer at, at a company that, that helps build projects. Um, but they're going to care very much about crypto exchange regulation because they know that's a key part. And so what I've found is, is great within the crypto ecosystem is, is everybody is able to kind of support one another on the issues that impact them the most because they realize um, the bigger picture that, that, that the whole ecosystem needs to work and have, and have the right kind of regulation and the right clarity um, in order to thrive.
0: So obviously you have this brand new industry, but one that already has a, a, a reputation in some corners. I mean, just think about the image of the the, the tech broishy sort of libertarian um, uh, vibe that that's that's given off in some uh, quarters. Uh, does this create friction given the very many different sort of uh, belief systems uh, that that you see on the Hill, uh, or is there really another more significant? Uh, social or 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 other barrier that impacts just how the policy conversation
1: is informed. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think, uh, I mean, the biggest barrier to all of this is it's just technically very complex to understand this stuff, right? And um, it takes. I mean, I know it took me. Months and months and months of reading and watching YouTube videos before I really understood. And and even then, I do this all day long. And there are things that I feel like, huh, I don't actually understand what that means. And um, you know, it, it's it's just moving at, at such a quick pace. So so the 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 amount of time it takes to really start to understand this stuff is, is a huge challenge because most policymakers don't have that time, right? Um, uh, so I think that's number one. I think the other challenge we have is that uh outside of speculation which is really what most people do today with cryptocurrency it's it's really hard um it's it's it can be hard to to envision and imagine some of the use cases i mean they're there and these are things that are being built and it'll happen over time but the reality is, at the end of the day, most people buy and sell cryptocurrencies to watch the price go up, and you know, hope it doesn't go down. And and that's not actually what any of this is about. That's just sort of the phase that we're that we're in right now. Um, and then I think sort of the third challenge, maybe this relates back to the first one, is this concept of decentralization is just a really novel concept, like this this idea that there isn't. A central company that is just buying a bunch of hardware and writing proprietary software and offering a service to customers. You know, that, that is the model of sort of the old world. The model of the new world is different, right? It's a bunch of individuals, anyone who can join and wants to contribute hardware or code or whatever, uh, getting paid to do that by not a company, but by a protocol. And um, and you know, operating on sort of open source software that anyone can look at, I mean, this is just different stuff, right? This isn't how economic activity has ever been organized um, before. And And we have seen open source very successful open source projects, which is you know the foundation of much of much of the internet. but but there hasn't really been a way where the participants that contribute to that can get can get um, and, you know, they're, 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 the incentives are missing for them to do that on a long term basis. So so this really um, is changing the way we think about a lot of things. And and, um, you know, that, that's a lot for people to kind of wrap their heads around when when they haven't been familiar with it. And, and when there aren't any um, I mean, there are some great examples of, of things that are being done now, but it's not something that, you know, these these senators or congressmen are, are using in their everyday lives. Yeah, like that will change over time, but but we're still in the early early days.
0: Yeah, I, I guess so, so. The last question that I have for you, which I think is 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 kind of interesting. I mean, a lot of your time in this conversation has uh, dealt with you engaging members of the hell and and, and sort of walking them through um, uh, the industry and and the technical aspects of it. How much time do you do you spend though talking to your members? and sort of do, educating them about Washington, D.C. I mean, yeah, how, yeah. How, how much how much is required to sort of explain to them, not just sort of like the procedural aspects, well, you know, Washington, D.C. is as much an art as it is uh, a, a science. I mean, how much of, of, of your role is, uh, for lack of a, of a better word, sort of member facing?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, so trade associations, um, you know, that are focused on policy issues have two audiences, right? There's the policymaker audience, which for us is Congress and the regulators in D.C. because we're we're focused mostly on federal issues. Uh, But then there's the industry audience, which is our our members. And um, I I think one of the reasons that I think the Blockchain Association has been effective is that we have an amazing dialogue with our members. Um, We have monthly calls with our team and our members individually every month. So we are constantly... Hey, what are you working on? What are you doing? What are you, what are you hearing? Like, tell us more. Okay. What was that new development? So we, as, as a, as an association, our, our team has a really good sense of what everybody in the industry is, is doing. Um, cause it is moving so fast and there's so much change. Um, and similarly we can provide feedback, Hey, this is what's going on. This is something that's very specific to you. Um, and, and so having that connection with the industry is super important, um, because there it's, it's not like I can go out and hire a bunch of people that are super informed on crypto policy because it's um, you know there there just isn't like a pool of people there. It's not, it's not like running a health trade association or something where there's a bunch of people that know about healthcare. So um, so we are constantly in learning mode from our members, but we are also um, you know sort of constantly explaining to our members this is what this means. This is why this is important. This is why this isn't important. Uh, because we've seen this play out often in the crypto trade press, which I'm sure, as you know, Chris, is a very competitive marketplace. There are a lot of publications <laughs> that are covering this space. It's uh, it's pretty intense. Um, but um, you know, every once in a while, somebody will be like, oh, so-and-so introduced a bill. like, And it's like, yeah, but that guy's not on any of the key committees. Who cares? Like, Just throw that in the trash. That doesn't matter. But then when we see something stick in a must, pa- you know, must pass bill that's like moving, it's like okay, this is what we need to focus on. So, um, but it's a really, really talented group of people that are working in the crypto industry, and they want to be a resource and they want to talk with policymakers. And um, so it's, it's, it's. Um, I mean, this is the best job I've ever had. It's, it's a lot of fun to be at the, the nexus of these two worlds. Well,
0: Kirsten, thanks so much for joining the show. Super interesting stuff, and we look forward to having you back on.
1: Absolutely, thanks for having me, Chris.
0: It's not easy to keep score when you think about crypto here in Washington. For however many steps forward one can imagine, there are also some notable steps back. But I think that part of the challenge isn't just explaining what is an admittedly esoteric technology to senators. It's also, as Kristen mentioned, taking the time to explain to stakeholders not only what Washington wants, but also what it expects. And it's my sense that if crypto really wants to make some inroads, they'll have to inquire into just that and to make sure their vision of the industry reflects at a minimum the very real social and, dare I say it, political realities that may not neatly overlap with those of Silicon Valley. Now, there's been more than a little resistance to that kind of thinking. But my hunch is, after all the action, that the ecosystem is set for some changes and there may be a new willingness to rethink old habits. Time... We'll tell. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to get in touch, just hit me up at Chris Brummer, D-R. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. We'd love to hear from you.